You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like him. Hey guys, um, if you haven't met me yet, I'm Daniel, I'm from Monash Clayton, and I'm studying um, engineering science second year. Um, So yeah, the passage we'll be reading tonight is Isaiah 52 verse 13 to 53 verse 12. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground? He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom men, people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, another, now another Daniel, that's right. It's great to be here. It's good to, um, good to be looking at this passage again. Um, well, not again, looking at this passage and opening up the Bible together. Uh, last night we saw uh, the cross is the point of Jesus' life. It's the single story of the whole Bible, the turning point of all of history. Um, 
Back in Genesis, there was the predicament, sin, finding its resolution in Jesus and his work on the cross. This is what God revealed to us. Now, we're going to consider some of the foundational details, as some of you have um, reminded me today. Um, And we're going to finish um, the the end of the talk by looking back and considering what does this all tell us about God. So to remind us of our methodology, uh, we want to let the Bible explain the cross. The scriptures pointed to it, and so we want to let them uh, make sense of the different threads, the different perspectives, um, and the meaning that's raised. And if we consider there has to be a cross, last night we got to the cross, um, and today we're considering the foundation and not the scaffolding, the frame. Um, we're going to consider how, what holds it all together. Now, as a heads up as well, um, in our first point, uh, we're going to be talking about death and we're going to be talking about anger as a heads up. Now, I want to give you permission, if that is something that you've experienced recently, um, you're welcome to leave now or at any point in the talk. Um, If you've been affected by death or you've been affected by someone with anger challenges, I am so sorry for you. Uh, Both of those can be sad and difficult things to experience. And so if you need a break, um, you can go out to the lounge room. There's a fireplace, nice couches. That's a good place to chill and relax. Uh, Get a breather. If you want, grab a staff member on the way. Um, You have permission to do that. But let me pray for us as we get stuck into God's word and as we open it up together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Um, we thank you that we can open up your word. Thank you for the ways that we've seen it even tonight. Um, So viscerally, what what happened to Jesus on the cross? Thank you that we can consider from your word what all of that means, the significance. And so we pray that you would give us minds, even as we're tired, give us minds to, to understand, ears to hear, and hearts to be transformed as we consider sin tonight. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now, when you have kids, people ask you, I'm guessing most of you don't have kids, um, but people ask you about them a lot. And I'm quite happy with that, actually, because I spend a lot of time with my kids. And I'm quite happy to talk about them. Uh, but one of the common questions that I get as a parent, especially from uni students, is, what is it like to be a parent? Now, most people, most parents um, say things like, it's a real joy. It's a great privilege. I love it. And that's true. Um, but it's also painful. It's exhausting. Um, and it's a little bit like torture. <laughs> you know, um, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. <laughs> it's both and, though, isn't it? It's both enjoyable and painful. And this paradigm, both and, is really useful for us as we come to the cross today. As we come to sin and consider how that relates to the cross Because sin is worse than we realize, but also, and God is better than we realize. Our situation is both worse 
and better. And that's what we're going to be exploring. So how is sin worse than we realize? We've identified sin. We did that last night. We considered it as rebellion against God. And as well as identifying sin, all of you, you opened up Genesis 3 and you considered, together we considered some of the effects of sin. Remember the disorder, the fragmented relationships with God, the fragmented relationship with each other, um, work is thwarted. And there were so many other um, effects of sin that we looked at. But the ultimate effect of sin is death. We saw in Genesis chapter 2.17 that statement, you will certainly die. That is what we all face, isn't it? Death. They say there are two things certain in life, death and taxes. That's only half true. Just go move to the Cayman Islands and it's just death. That's the only certainty. I don't know about you, but typically I just think of death as part of, you know, the living process. And I forget, and I guess, my guess is we all do, we forget that death is the cost of sin. Sin causes death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And that's the wage that we all deserve because of these other two passages. We can see if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's the obvious result of all of this? Because of sin, we all face death. Now, death is a real problem for us. But it gets worse. While death is a consequence of, this, of sin, have we ever thought about what God thinks? After all, sin is rebellion against Him. He is the one who is wronged. What does He think of it all? He is angry. Romans 1, the wrath, wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That's talking about our sin revealing God's wrath. And wrath is a strong emotion. And we all experience emotions in different ways. We think about anger. It could be rage. It could be a writhing displeasure. It could be wanting retribution. And in our sin, perhaps sometimes we can act out in anger. I know I do, and I need to confess and repent of that. I suspect we all do. And unfortunately, while we can all act out in anger, unfortunately, some of us are victims of anger as well. 
And once again, if that is you, please feel free, if you need some space, to, to leave if you need to. Um, and if you'd like to talk to staff, we would love to support you and help you access whatever support you need. But that's talking about our anger. But we're thinking about God's anger, aren't we? We might think that ours might help, our anger might help us understand God's anger, but we really need to be careful when we do that, don't we? We need to be careful of saying that God's anger is anything like ours. We think about it. Our anger is tainted by sinfulness. Remember, sin and its far-reaching effects, all the effects that we came up with, um, that taints even our experience of anger. That affects our anger. And if we put our sin-tainted anger understanding upon God, what we're doing is we're anthropomorphizing God. And what that means is we're not letting the Bible tell us about God. We're letting ourselves tell us ourselves about God. And that is a very dangerous line to follow, isn't it? Of course we're going to end up disagreeing with the Bible if we do that. And that's exactly what some people do today, don't they? They say things like, God can't be angry. That's blatant rejection of what the Bible says. And in my interactions with people as we've talked about this, often it's because they've let their own experiences, rather than the Bible, show them who God is. Which is really sad. We, brothers and sisters, we need to be careful not to impose our anger upon God. So what can we say about God's anger? We need to look to the Bible, don't we? Let's look at Romans chapter 2. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Did you see how God's wrath is described there? I'm sure you did. Righteous judgment. His anger is so different to ours, isn't it? It is just and it is right. I think about mine. Mine's irrational, disproportionate, petty. God's is nothing like that. Just and right. And it's right for he is God. Everything good, everything holy, everything perfect comes from God. And so there's a true dichotomy here, isn't it? God's way is good, right, just. Any other way, evil, wrong, unjust. There is no both and in this situation, only either or. God and his wrath is right. Is that terrifying? I find it terrifying to be rightly subjected to God's wrath. You know, I think of passages like these coming up. Matthew 10, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Hebrews 12, For our God is a consuming fire. Brothers and sisters, sin 
and its consequences are worse than we think. Now, I have three kids, um, Elijah, Eva, and Ruth. That's the right sound to make. Oh, <laughs> Ruthie in the middle is the youngest. She's almost two, and she's starting to, to learn words. Um, she likes food, and so she goes, yum, yummy, 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 yummy. Um, she talks about honey, and she goes, honey, 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 honey. Um, but one of the first words that she's learned to say is sorry, um, or the way that she says it, sorry. Um, and it's quite useful because, as you can see, three young kids, um, there's a lot of squabbling, there's a lot of wronging each other, and whether or not they realise it, that's just what happens. And so very often we have to say to Ruth, Ruth, you've got to say sorry, sorry, because she's done something wrong. And so it's not a surprise that that's one of the first words that she's learned. Um, and so she says sorry all the time. But although she can say, sorry, uh, I'm not sure she knows what it means. Um, this is a typical scene. Um, uh, Eva, the other girl, she's, she's got a biscuit. Uh, Ruthie snatches it. Mama, Ruthie snatched my biscuit! Ruth, what do you need to say? Hurry! Oh, mum, 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 mum. yum, 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 yum. <laughs> she knows she needs to say sorry but she doesn't really understand what she's done, why she's saying it. She hasn't understood the significance, has she? And I think we can all be a bit like that with sin, can't we? We know it's wrong, but we don't understand how wrong. We don't think about how offensive it is how horrible we don't think that because of our sin, God's wrath is revealed. So should we perhaps reflect a bit more on our sin? That we sin. That it leads to death. And it angers God and we deserve that wrath. There'll be time later in the session tonight to reflect a bit more about our sin. And there'll be time perhaps in praise and prayer tomorrow to do that as well. Would you consider asking God to show you your sin? Confessing your sin. Asking God to grow your hatred of sin. And perhaps you can cry out as David does in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We can do that and we can know the forgiveness the cross offers. Because that's why we're talking about the cross, isn't it? That's why we're talking about God's wrath. We need to understand sin, which leads to death, deserves God's wrath to make sense of the cross. And while sin is worse than we realize, Jesus, our crucified Christ, he is so much better, isn't he? 
At the cross, Jesus pays the penalty. We heard and saw that today in the Old Testament reenactment. It was pointing to Jesus on the cross. We can hear it in 1 Corinthians 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Again, we're seeing the Bible is a single story, all pointing to Jesus on the cross. And we've heard some of those Scriptures, haven't we? Just in the Bible reading from Daniel earlier on, Isaiah 53. This is a moment for us to stop and to to do some of the work ourselves. We're going to ask this question, how does Isaiah 53, how does it describe and explain the cross? Take a couple of minutes to talk to the people next to you. Remember the dramatic Bible reading. Remember um, what happens on the cross. Remember what we've been looking at seminars. How does Isaiah 53 describe and explain what happens on the cross? Take a couple of minutes, talk to the people next to you. Okay, I know that's not enough time, um, and well, I won't get you guys to call out, but it was fascinating, isn't it? Especially after having heard and seen that, that dramatic Bible reading, things like, he was despised and rejected. You know, this was written 700 years or so before Jesus died. The man of suffering, he was oppressed and afflicted. He didn't open his mouth like a lamb. You see all these ways that it describes what was going to happen on the cross. But not just a description, it's also an explanation, isn't it? Verse 4, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was punished by God. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. At the end of verse 6, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus' death was in our place. That's how it's explaining it, as our substitute. And that's not merely a metaphorical description. No, Jesus really did take the curse for our sin. Galatians 3 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. That's what happened on the cross. Our sin dealt with completely. And Jesus' last breath, it is finished. Now we've seen that sin leads to death. And God's righteous wrath. And the cross deals with both. 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. His death pays the penalty and restores the relationship by dealing with God's wrath. Remember the Day of Atonement, the Leviticus reenactment, with the two goats um, being the one sacrifice, both showing different aspects, the means and the result of the atonement. That word atonement, which we also saw in the 1 John passage, atonement is literally at 
atonement. It means the restoration of a broken relationship. It means the obstacles that have gone in between are dealt with. And we, we know the penalty is death. And relationally, there is God's wrath that we're dealing with as well. And the cross doesn't just pay the penalty of death. It also restores the relationship with God. By bearing God's wrath. Romans 5 on the screen. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? The cross is dealing with God's wrath. Now, I'm not a sentimental kind of guy. I studied engineering um, and, <laughs> and a psychologist may or may not have said about me, you're the sort of person who would write a pros and cons list to decide whether to marry your wife. No sentimentality. Uh, but I do have this sentimental pen. There's a picture of it. A mentor gave it to me. Uh, I was about to move away, and um, he has a pen just like this, or a pacer just like this, um, and it's his Bible notes pen. So what he does is when he's studying the Bible, he uses it to write notes and questions and draws links, all that sort of stuff, to, to, to make sense of what the Bible is saying. And so he gave one to me uh, to encourage me to make sure I kept studying the Bible well. Now one day... Um, I came home and it was broken. Um, and it was broken by one of my kids. And you can imagine how I felt. You know, it's a pretty special pen. Uh, now, I know Ruth has learned how to say sorry. sorry. Um, the other kids, they've also learned the next line to say. Um, what they do is they say, sorry, what can I do to help? Well, what could they do to help? buy another $5 pen. It's not quite the same, is it? How could they make things better? They couldn't really. If they did buy a pen, well, that only deals with one little aspect. Functionally, it might work again, but, but it doesn't deal with, with the intangible thing, isn't it? The relational cost of, oh, that, that really hurt, actually. But when it comes to God, the cross does. Not just the death penalty, but also God's wrath poured out on Jesus. We've seen that sin is much worse than we realize. God is angry. But the crucified Christ is so much better. It's the death that we deserve and it's the wrath that our sin reveals. And so our relationship with God can be restored. How wonderful. It's just amazing, isn't it? That should lead us to praise. He took my sin and my sorrows. I'm quoting a song. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and he suffered and died for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Now, I mentioned earlier that we'll finish up by considering what does this show us of God? 
Because you see, the worse that we realize our sin is, the more we realize that God is better. His response to the, um, with the cross is so much better. And what is revealed about God is so much better. He's a good God, isn't he? He's a loving God. God's wrath is so good because sin is so wrong. If he isn't angry about sin, let's think about this. If he isn't angry about sin, if he doesn't punish sin, that means he doesn't care. That means that the difference between good and bad is gone. There is no more such thing as wrong or right. Justice does not exist. And can you imagine that? Let's just imagine that for a moment. Justice doesn't exist. The most horrendous oppression, appalling atrocities, vicious violence. Think about those things being left to perpetuate with no reason for justice. How horrible is that? But we don't have to go down that, do we? Because God does care. He hates what is wrong. And that's why God's wrath shows that he is better. There's a writer who says, deep in the nature of God himself, God who is angry with sin, there is a necessity for hilasmos. That's um, a Greek word for atonement. But God not only requires it, atonement, he provides it. And he not only provides it, but he becomes it. God the Father isn't the bad cop, the angry one of the Old Testament, and Jesus isn't the good cop, the loving one of the New Testament. No. Jesus says in John chapter 10, I and the Father are one. There is a oneness to them. And we believe in a triune God, don't we? One God, three persons. And that second person of the Trinity, Jesus the Son, is described in Hebrews 1, as the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He's described divinely here. He's identified as God. And in the following chapter, it also says, for this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them, that's us humans, fully human in every way, in order that he, Jesus, might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus coming as a human was fully human and as the God-man, he offered himself on the cross. And so the cross simultaneously displays God's justice in dealing with the wrath and penalty of sin. But it also displays his love, his self-sacrifice for us. 1 John, we looked at this a bit before. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Brothers and sisters, this is good. This is love, not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See God's love? See how much better that is? Let me try to summarize what we've come up with tonight. Sin is worse than we think. 
It not only deserves death, but also reveals God's wrath. That's terrifying. But the cross is better than our sin. In his self-sacrifice, Jesus dies the death we deserve, bears the wrath our sin reveals, restores the relationship that we have with the Father, uh, with God. And so God is better. He's just and he's loving. We have a good God. So brothers and sisters, we don't need to be afraid when we speak of God's wrath. We don't need to be afraid about talking about it. Last night we mentioned that we might be hesitant, tempted to be hesitant, to talk about sin or God's anger in evangelism. We've seen though, haven't we? That, well, sin and, and God's wrath, it's, re- it's true, it's real, it's in the Bible, we can't avoid it. But also, we have something even better to say. Good news! Christ crucified is better. Who God is, he's better. There is nothing that we need to shy away from. And so I want to be clear though, uh, this doesn't give us an excuse to go up and, and offend or be ignorant when we, when we try to start a conversation. Um, I wouldn't re- recommend starting up with, you're a sinner, you're going to face God's wrath. I don't think that's a good way to start. And engineers, I'm talking particularly to us. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we have nothing to be arrogant about, do we? We're all sinners too. But we have everything to be confident about. We have Jesus and his cross. And so we can be confident in evangelism. But much more personally, as we've looked tonight, um, we can be confident that we can be more honest with our sin. We can be confident as we confess and as we repent. Maybe we do recognize that our sin is worse. But we don't need to run away from it. We don't need to avoid it. We can be all the more sure that we can run to Jesus knowing that the cross is better, knowing that God is better. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are sorry for our sin. Um, we recognize that we don't, um, we don't often feel the weight of it as we should. We don't hate it as we should. Um, and so, Father, we pray that you would grow our hatred of sin. Make us aware of its cost. But, Father, thank you so much for Jesus and the cross. Help us to keep looking to him because there is no other hope. Help us to keep looking to what he has done um, and be confident because we can be of how wonderful your love is for us in sending Jesus to die. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.